1: Today, we are going behind enemy lines, this time to get the inside scoop on the Kansas City Chiefs. Like the rap rock poet Zach De La Rocha once said, know your enemy. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast.
2: Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go to show for all things Broncos.
1: Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my co-host. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is
0: Zach Kelberman. What's new, my brother? How you doing? I'm good. Another week down, another week closer to Broncos football. We're still in that dead period. It's still kind of tough, but hey, we're
1: getting there. Yeah, we have a couple of uh, pressing Broncos topics to get to, and then we have a great guest today. Uh, But before we get to that, guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Also, if you haven't done so, take some time, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, iHeart, wherever you're listening to the show, take some time and rate the show, Leave us a creative review. You have no idea how much that helps our show, how it helps us grow, how it helps us reach new listeners. So if you haven't done that, take a second, get that done. And also, we got to say thank you to our sponsor today's show, Audible. You guys, go out and get yourselves a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddleup. There's over 180,000 different titles to choose from, whether you're on an iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You've heard me talk about it before. It's audibletrial.com slash huddle up that lets them know we sent you and again this is a service an app that i use literally every day because i love to read but i don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the on the books that i want to read but audible allows me to get these books under my belt while i'm doing other things it's one of the beauties of modern technology podcasts audible so i know you'll love it if you try it uh with that 30-day free trial you get the free book so go to audibletrial.com slash huddle up and help us patronize these sponsors all right so one piece of uh, Broncos news we want to get to before we introduce our guest for today's show. The, the Broncos senior personnel advisor, Tom Heckert, has been with the team since 2013. He announced on Monday that he's stepping away from football to focus, unfortunately, on his health. Now, the 50-year-old Heckert, basically uh, what we understand is he suffers from some form of a rare blood disorder. It's kind of slowly debilitated him. If you look at some of the pictures of Heckert when he was first hired by the Broncos and compare him to the last team picture, um, you know, the stock team picture. In fact, if you go to uh, Mile High Huddle Twitter or Broncos on uh, Scout Twitter, you can see the the most recent photo the team submitted for Tom Heckert and just see how emaciated he looks, the poor guy. The illness is just slowly eating him away. And uh, when his contract with the Broncos expired here, he, they just had the mutual parting of the ways. He wanted to focus on his health, Zach. And, you know, this was planned, obviously, in, in terms of the Gary Kubiak thing. Obviously, the, the path to the front office it was kind of fast-tracked for Gary Kubiak, likely as a preemptive move, knowing that Tom Heckert... You know, he's he was eventually gonna have to step away from the team.
0: First and foremost, let me say that I hope that Heckert's health is okay. I hope he's gonna be okay. I I have extended my best wishes to him and his family. Some things are bigger than football, and this is one of those things. I'm not gonna speculate on the illness that he's dealing with, uh, but I can only say that I hope he overcomes it. Absolutely. And I hope he, and I hope he uh, you know beats it. But with that being said, on the football side, he, with him out of the picture, it is solely Gary Kubiak's role now in that front office as John Elway's second right hand man, along with Matt Russell, the uh, personnel director there. So, yep. um, and I gotta say, I think Kubiak in his first year as that senior advi- advisor, after that promotion, the Broncos killed this NFL draft, yep. and Kubiak, as Elway admitted, was a big part of that that whole process so um it shouldn't hurt them too much from a, a day-to-day standpoint from a personnel standpoint uh with Heckard out of the picture obviously they'll look to replace him they also lost Adam Peters last year another personnel guy he went to the Niners so gonna have to do some maybe reshuffling in that front office uh but I do first and foremost want to wish Hecker and his family well it's awful that what he's dealing with you yep. know I do hope he overcomes it absolutely and it's something that <clears throat> that I've known about privately for a couple of years. It's
1: not something that just came out of the blue recently. It's something he's been dealing with. So we definitely uh, wish him the best and how it applies to, you know, basically what we can project moving forward. I mean, Zach hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you look at what the Broncos did in the uh, 2018 draft and also what they did in free agency had Kubiak's fingerprints all over it on the draft side looking for guys who had leadership skills, maturity skills, uh, basically their 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 individual character on the same par as their physical gifts and their, their talent, which is going to make a huge impact. Very well, as we've talked about on the show before, this could be Denver's new core of the team that can carry them forward for the next 10 years or so. And then you look at free agency, Zach, what he did. I mean, obviously, Case Keenum was the crown jewel of 2018 free agency for the Broncos, and who knows? This, this quarterback any better than Gary Kubiak. So you got to believe, too, that that played a big role in the Broncos being so aggressive and going out of their way before free agency even opened up to offer Keenum a deal.
0: Yeah, Kubiak was a big reason why Keenum chose the Broncos and a big reason why the Broncos locked in on Keenum and bypassed Kirk Cousins. So Kubiak is always going to be that feather in John Elway's cap. He's he's a very trusted advisor as a friend and as a on a professional level with John Elway and Gary Kubiak. They have a great relationship. So there's going to be no drop-off in that sense without with Hecker out of the picture. Uh, Gary Kubiak is on a bang-up job. Say what you want about him as a coach. Say what you want about how we handled the quarterbacks in 2016. 16. the guy has an eye for talent he knows how to turn over every rock to find it and it's only going to help the broncos in that front office role next to john elway absolutely yeah
1: so we wish him the best we'll see ultimately how it ends up affecting the broncos down the road but if the most recent history is any indication i think with gary kubiak stepping into that role everything's going to be okay all right joining us now is an old friend of mine a mentor in this business he currently writes for the athletic covering the kansas city chiefs he is the host of the Chief in the North podcast, The Land of 10,000 Takes. I love that, my brother. He is Seth Kaiser. Seth, thanks for joining us, bro. Really been looking forward to talking to you.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's really, really good to talk to you again. It's It's been too long. How are, how are things treating you?
1: Man, we're just itching for actual football to come back here in just a few weeks. So <laughs> if I could hurry up and get here, that'd be great. man. Otherwise, love and life.
2: Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, and quick thing. Just so you know, I actually did partner up with Locked On Chiefs a couple weeks ago, and they absorbed the Chief in the North podcast, so I no longer have that great tagline, the land of 10,000 takes. Oh, it's the saddest thing to happen to me in years, honestly. So so how
1: did that happen? Just so they absorbed um, Chief in the North. What does that mean? They took your subscribers or you're you're contributing? (laughs)
2: Um, I, I essentially I'm going to stop doing the chief in the north. I'm still going to do a final farewell episode, and I'm going to appear with them several times a week instead. Oh, cool! Uh, nice. it, a lot of there was a lot of listener overlap there anyway, so right. it, it's it's really it's really exciting to partner up with them.
1: That's great. Those are some good dudes. Good dudes.
2: They are. Well, well
1: they uh, are. you know, we've talked about it being that we're we're on the dead time on the NFL calendar. We've, uh, we've kind of decided here on the Huddle Up podcast to do a, a Know Your Enemy series type deal. And last week we went behind enemy <laughs> lines with the, with the Oakland Raiders. And one of the storylines that we focused on was the kind of changing of the guard in the AFC West. Because Peyton Manning, Alex Smith, these guys are gone. Phillip Rivers remains, and he's kind of the elder statesman in the division. But the Chiefs mm-hmm. are one of the teams who seem to be kind of... Undergoing a little bit of a makeover, and it might not be quite fair to call it a makeover. Maybe it's more of a passing of the torch. But tell us what your reaction was to the trading of Alex Smith, and whether you think Pat Mahomes is ready to really take the bull by the horn so to speak, and lead the Chiefs into the next era. For
2: hours on end. So just cut me off whenever. Uh, that that's obviously the the big question for this season. And so when Alex Smith got traded, I was actually recording a podcast with. The Locked On Chiefs guys, and we're in the middle of it, and Chris all of a sudden goes, Holy crap! And it, it was the whole thing. We recorded an emergency thing, we had this whole reaction. It was a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I was, I knew it was coming, but I wasn't too sure how psyched I was for it until I went back and reviewed Kendall Fuller's film. Then I got really excited for it because <laughs> he's a very, very talented. Like his film blew my mind. It was unbelievable. Best corner I've ever reviewed. <laughs> and that includes Peters. So, I mean, we'll see if he. I don't think he'll be the playmaker Peters was, but snap by snap, he was better. So we'll see if that carries through, be that as it may. I was excited for that because the Chiefs needed help at corner now at the time. I thought he would be partnering with Peters, mm-hmm. so that was unfortunate. So, the for me, I personally started calling for Patrick Mahomes during the midseason slump the Chiefs suffered last year, which I know might sound crazy from the outside looking in, but when I looked at schematically what teams were doing to the Chiefs and the fact that Alex just didn't have an answer for it it told me what I needed to know that the team really had reached its ceiling with Alex right. and that there are certain things that he just couldn't overcome and for me we don't know with Mahomes I do think based on the limited stuff we've seen that even though it's not going to be perfect because he's a first year starter I do think he is going to be quite good his first year I think he's ready
0: one thing I've always been a big Mahomes guy. Coming out of the draft, even when he was sitting on the bench, I thought he had all the upside in the world, all the talent in the world. And even though he was compared to Paxton Lynch in that sense, with physical upside, right. he really wowed me in that season finale against the Broncos. I'm talking, he really blew me away. A guy has a gun and a half who was making big boy throws in that game, and I think it really showcased to, you know, beating a top-notch defense that was without a lot of their starting players, but it was still a really good defense in place. Uh, What was your reaction to that? Did that really lead you to believe that he was ready to take over for Smith or to give you more confidence in Mahomes as a starter?
2: It, it did give me more confidence in him for a few reasons. One, you know, that obviously was the first week that he would have gotten starter reps. And so it's important to see how he handles certain things. And the Broncos, like you alluded to, you know, some of their starters played half the game. Some of them played a quarter of the game. You know, it was just kind of a, a weird mix and match game. But I kind of liked the fact that Mahomes was playing with virtually all backups mm. because that'll, that at least leveled the playing field somewhat from a talent perspective to where it wasn't the chief starters versus the Broncos back, you know, that wouldn't tell us as much. What I really appreciated was seeing how he dealt with certain things. Cause even though the Broncos weren't necessarily playing a lot of their best guys for the entire game, it varied on the drive. Of course, they really threw a lot of blitzes at him, yeah, they did. including a lot of creative looking zone blitzes. And I was really happy about that. Cause it gave us an opportunity to see how he handled that. Cause that's zone blitzes are a death knell for young quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, So seeing him perform well in that situation, it did make me comfortable seeing how he did, obviously with the comeback drive, um, seeing how he did the snaps that he did get against the starters. He had to play a ton under pressure. I I do quarterback reviews where I kind of chart, whatever you want to call it in depth snaps. Mm -hmm. And one of them that or in depth stats. One of them is what I call a flush, which is a play where the quarterback is under pressure before he has time to, basically plant his, yeah. his, his his last step in his drop, right? Mm-hmm. And how someone handles something like that tells you a lot about a quarterback what he can do under duress. There were three times more flushes in that game than literally any other game last year for the Chiefs because the Broncos did such a great job dialing up pressure. And so it was great to see how he would handle that and the fact that he did all right. And it wasn't perfect. He sailed a throw that was a pick. He he trusted his arm way too much late in the game and that deep shot to Demetrius Harris that was <laughs> ill advised. Um but it was overall there were a couple plays where you saw him shift protections and and hit the outlet man seeing that a blitz was coming. Is those little things. And so I guess I would phrase it this way. We already knew before that game that Patrick Mahomes could make plays and throws that other quarterbacks could not. We needed to see him make the plays that other quarterbacks do make. Mm-hmm. And we saw enough of that to make me pretty comfortable moving forward.
1: I tell you what, when he came back in after, uh, you know, had the game on ice, and then I think it was Bray came in, Broncos come back, they tie oh, the game. Man. So they send him back in. And the poise he showed on that final drive mm-hmm. was just something else, you know, getting sacked on the first, right. uh, on the first, uh, snap going losing thirteen yards mm-hmm. or whatever it was and then coming back. But he is uh he's a very exciting young quarterback. I can see why Chiefs fans especially could be excited. Now with Andy Reid, this is a guy I'm kinda curious about. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of been a fan of Andy Reid throughout his, his tenure in the NFL. He's sustained success right. in Kansas City, but you know, you talked about it with Alex Smith a little bit, not getting over the hump. The same can be said for Andy Reid. How much in that sense yep. goodwill does Reed have left in KC, and what's your outlook on him in particular for 2018?
2: It depends on what fans you talk to. Um, he obviously hears, regardless of what happens, because Mahomes is his pet project. And Clark Hunt, from what I've heard, has all the respect in the world for Andy Reed. Um, so I, I, he's got at least a couple of years of goodwill left in terms of management. With certain fans, there are a lot of titans, uh, wrongly, in my opinion. If you if you look at the film, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. It's just a matter of trying to figure out what are his weak some, you know, narratives about him that are pretty on point with some of his weaknesses, his tendency to become overly conservative with a lead in playoff games, things like that. And what I really like about where Andy Reid is at right now, and we'll see obviously. I wish he'd have moved on from the defensive coordinator, but what are you going to do? He is loyal to a fault. What I really like is that last year, every year Andy Reid switches up a few things in his offense, right? There's always some new little wrinkle. That's why he's had a good offense for 20 years. He's an innovator, man. He is. And last year especially, we saw him roll out this borderline college offense that teams were copying by weeks three, four, and five. And it was a cool thing to watch to see him kind of on the cutting edge of this, like, you know, borderline air raid stuff that, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think you'd see from an old school kind of conservative coach. And so that to me, and then like against you guys in week 17, I actually went back and charted how many snaps were essentially what you'd call a spread offense or a almost air raid look with like four or five receivers. Majority of them and there are a lot of people talking now that they brought in this year with the addition of Watkins the fact that every running back they brought in like 15 of them are <laughs> receiving backs there's a lot of conversations that we might see Reed take that to another level and you know what, what? I'm here for that I'll watch that <laughs> win or lose that'll be fun to watch
1: yeah absolutely i mean he's just he's a guy that that uh, just finds new ways each and every year to introduce new wrinkles into the offensive cannon of the NFL and one of my favorite gifs of all time is that gif of him entering the Chiefs locker room and You know, someone did the deal with the wall and then turned him into the (laughs) Kool-Aid guy or whatever. But that's one of the all-time – love him or hate him, that's just one of the all-time great gifts, uh, you know, in the Mm -hmm. sports arena. But, you know, one thing that the Broncos and Chiefs had in common, and you touched on this a little bit, uh, you know, earlier in our conversation, but this offseason was they both traded away a Pro Bowl cornerback to the L.A. Rams. Now, in this case, it was for the Chiefs, a guy with 19 interceptions over the last three years. What was it that precipitated the break with with Marcus Peters in that trade? And and you touched on it a little bit, but talk about what the Chiefs are going to do to account for his loss in the secondary.
2: You know, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions about Peters. Um, I've been doing this just long enough to know a few people here and there, people that I trust. And, you know, you never know because, you know, sometimes people who are involved in team stuff have to say a certain thing, right? They got to support the company line. My understanding... Is that Peters had a couple of incidents with coaches, not like a physical fight or anything crazy. You know, I don't like, there's a whole group of people that are looking to demonize the guy. And I, my understanding is it had just reached a point with the coaches tenable anymore. They, they like Reed, from my understanding, personally likes Marcus Peters, but there were just one too many kind of moments over the course of years where they just said, you know, we've reached a point to where we can't have this guy anymore and the juice is worth the squeeze at this point. Now, I'm not saying I agree with the decision because like you said, you know, 19 pick is besides a touchdown, the most valuable play in football. Um, But Andy Reid doesn't ever do that, right? I mean, he never ships guys out. I, over, I mean, if you look back at his coaching career over 20 years, you got Terrell Owens and that's it. Right, And so the fact that he was willing to sign off on that and realistically, everyone knows that Andy Reed signs off on stuff in Kansas city. Um, that, that it makes re- me feel more comfortable with it.
0: It reminds me a lot of what the Broncos did with the keep to leave. I mean, as good as the talent that he was on the field, what he brought to the teams in terms of headache and baggage just was not worth keeping him around. When you have Marcus Peters throwing penalty flags into the stands, it's not a good look for the team. Um, <laughs> Is that do you think in your opinion, Seth, that's gonna affect the defense as a whole, or is Kendall Fuller gonna be that massive upgrade that they needed in that secondary?
2: I think that it's almost impossible to replace the type of player that Peters is. He I mean, his hand never seen anything like it. Um and he's really and it kind of overshadows, he's a very good cover corner at this point in his here's what I'll say. If, if the Chiefs get the, the version of Kendall Fuller that I and charted wins and losses and stuff, they are not going to take a significant step backward on a snap-by-snap snap basis. It'll just be different. Because Fuller's a different type of player. Um, He did demonstrate ball skills, but he's not a freak like Peters is. You know, peeling off his own guy and making a pick on someone completely different because he's just that's what Peters could do. However, I do think, and I've told people this and I've had people really come after me for it, I do think as a pure cover corner, Kendall Fuller was superior last year by a Mm -hmm. fair amount. He he was. I I mean this when I say this. I've been charting Chiefs corners for a while, and I also chart other teams' corners. You know, to just try to have a good idea. Kendall Fuller's tape was the best I've ever watched, and mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean you know. You know, those things aren't necessarily predictive, right? I mean, guys have up and down years. Maybe right. he peaked last year, but he was exceptional, and so I do think overall, the defense. Hopefully can kind of go through that transition with him and not have a huge downgrade at Marcus Peters, which would be great because around the rest of the defense, I think they've done a good job addressing what was a very, very talent poor situation last year.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see how, how it affects things in the wash, and especially from an attitude perspective. I'm curious to see how that trickles down to the defense as a whole. Um, one thing that we like to do here, Seth, is is obviously each each week we have the mile-high mailbag because Zach and I fancy ourselves kind of Broncos priests. We offer the absolution and answers to our listeners burning Broncos questions. Absolutely. And in today's case, of course, Chiefs are included. Now, a couple of questions here. we got a few, but I'm going to pick two, and one of them, uh, for you, Seth, here is from Mile High Maniac on Twitter, and the question is: How does Seth feel about Casey's talent at the skill positions? Um, obviously, some new blood got flooded in there with free agency and and whatnot. So, your answer for Mile High Maniac?
2: Um, I'm going to assume you know skill positions usually is indicative of the offensive side of the ball. Yes, sir. Um, I feel ab- about as I've ever. They they had a very good offense last year. Obviously, Tyreek Hill took another step forward, which was important, and developed into a a legitimate. You know, he he's he's still. I wouldn't call him quite a complete receiver yet because they send him deep so often. And why wouldn't you? I had a good talk with I think it was Matt Waldman about this. It's almost impossible not to send Tyreek Hill deep all the time because he's so much better at it than everyone else. It doesn't make sense to do anything else. And so in that sense, his role in the office becomes limited, but he did improve his route running last year significantly over his first year. And he's constantly quoted as saying, that's what I got to get better at. That's what I got to get better at. And if he continues to refine that, there's like no ceiling on him. He's a freak athletically. I've never seen anything like him. He gets college separation. It's, it's scary. <laughs> Obviously, I'm happy with Travis Kelsey. Um, he is depending on whether you're talking to Patriots fans or not, he's the best tight end in the NFL. He's um, he's, yeah. He, he's, yeah well, there might be some people that argue still uh, he, he's a great player and he's the guy that the offense has traditionally been formed around. And I think that'll probably continue mostly because he's that unique, a weapon and a talent. I really like Chris Conley coming back from injury as like a third or fourth option. He's solid. And that's all you can ask for there and Watkins is kind of the wild card because his tape if you review it last year with the Rams was fantastic. Yeah. But the numbers weren't there. And so it's it's really interesting apparently him and Mahomes have bonded very quickly, but I can I can very honestly say and you know this is the time of year, right? Everyone's optimistic, everyone's sure. freaking out, who knows, right? The Chiefs could could lose 10 games this year. That would surprise me a little but these things happen. Yeah. But the the skill positions on the Chiefs, is the best that I've seen in my time as a fan, as far as skill positions go.
0: So what do you see as the the biggest weaknesses on the offense? What's the one glaring area on that roster that, as a fan and as a, as a person who covers the team, that kind of scares you going into this season?
2: Uh, on the offense, and I, I mean this very sincerely, the only potential thing that could sink this into being a mediocre offense would be if Patrick Mahomes isn't what we're hoping. Because basically the entire offense from last year is back, including Spencer Ware, a, a very unheralded but very important player the year before. Back The entire offensive line has returned. Zach Fulton was a backup. People talk about that as a loss. He was a backup. Yeah. Um. The entire offensive line is back. All the skill position players are back, except for Albert Wilson, who was the third or fourth receiver at best. He only got pushed in that role because Chris Conley got injured. And then they added Sammy Watkins. So the offense it was if you look at say like football outsiders DVOA or something like that it was a top five offense and they're returning all the pieces and adding a potentially really exciting one and you guys know what a big deal continuity is in scheme and all that stuff
0: yeah
2: the one thing that scares me is we just never know with with a second year guy all signs point to positive with Mahomes but and you guys have experienced this too where everything looked great and and look I'm a Chiefs fan I am waiting for the quarterback rug to get pulled out
0: from underneath me. <laughs> waiting for that shooting drop. I, mean, <laughs>
2: I am. Yeah. We have never had, and Alex Smith is the best quarterback we've had since Trent Green. And I would say maybe he was better than Green, at least individually. Mm-hmm. And so, it, and, and hey, nothing against Alex. Alex is a, is a, is a solid quarterback. He's a, he's a decent quarterback. But we're not used to having like this idea of some elite guy. So, but that's the big thing in my opinion. If Mahomes is seventy or eighty percent of what we're hoping he is, the offense should be very, very, very good. If he's what we hope he is, the offense could be stupid good. It really could. Now the <laughs> defense, I, I don't I don't wanna talk about that.
1: Well, that's, that's... that leads me to the next question here. In fact, you might be interested Dang in this, Seth. I don't know exactly what your thoughts are on on pro football focus and in the way they grade and some of their metrics and stuff. Yeah. But this past week, uh, toward the end of the week, I did a little study trying to figure out which team in the AFC West uh, has the best edge-rushing duo heading into 2018. And one of the most, ah. I think, objective and fair ways to measure was what I did was I looked at each duo? Now, obviously, with the Broncos, that's Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and uh, ostensibly for the Chiefs, sure. that was uh, Justin Houston and D. Ford. And what I did with all of them, though, was took their uh, pass rush productivity grade, which measures not just a you know how effective yep. someone was in sacks, but uh, for our listeners who don't know, measures basically just how effective they were in creating pressure with all of the opportunities combined. And I basically mm-hmm. added them up and averaged them out for each duo. And based on that, with, with Von Miller having a 14.5 PRP and, and Bradley Chubb having an 11.6, albeit in college, they emerged slightly right. ahead in terms of average over what the guys in LA have uh, in Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Mm-hmm. At the very bottom of that combined PRP were Justin Houston and D40. You know, the study in and of itself, I tried to be honestly as objective about it as possible. And I allow the fact that, of course, you know, you can't necessarily project. Uh, with with perfection, a college player projecting into the NFL uh, like you do, you know, like I did with Bradley Chubb. And so at the end, I basically made the allowance that until someone knocks him off the pedestal, Bosa and Ingram are the top duo in the AFC West. But what are your thoughts about the pass rush the Chiefs have and just overall where they fit in on that uh, you know, rung ranking the rungs in the AFC West.
2: So it's an interesting thing with the Chiefs uh, when you look at their pass rusher, and by interesting I mean depressing at times. Uh, their second best pass rusher isn't an Jones. And, and he obviously wouldn't be included in some of that stuff. And his, his pass rush productivity is going to be a little different because he was on the interior at times. Assignments vary, that kind of stuff. Although they did start lining him up on the edge last year, and that was kind of fun to watch. Hmm. Um, he's a really interesting player. I actually reviewed his and Houston's film really recently for a athletic. And what I found watching them, and it's just such a tragic thing. Houston and Jones were individually quite good last year. The rest of the front seven was a complete disaster. Hmm. Just awful. And I think, you know, people talk about, you know, Houston's sack numbers are down. I don't know if Denver fans are like upset about Von Miller because I think he had like nine and a half or 10 sacks last year or something like that. Ten and
1: a half, barely, um, over. barely yeah. double digits. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so it's interesting to me, you get a chance to see how people view the game. Because mm-hmm. Justin used to have like nine and a half, something like that. And so people say, oh, man, he was terrible. He wasn't right. doing anything. But what I, what I wrote about it actually today is the idea that you can't only have – One good pass rusher. And you can't even only have two good pass rushers if everyone else is a net negative. (laughs) You can't have two good pass rushers and then a bunch of terrible ones. And that's what the Chiefs ended up with last year. It was funny when D. Ford went down to injury. And D. Ford is not particularly special, in my opinion. He's an okay pass rusher who is a screaming liability against the run. Hmm. Even losing that third okay guy, you saw the toll it took on their pass rush. Hmm. And so the Chiefs in my opinion the biggest question mark this season houston's role last season and i wrote about this when i wrote his film review was an incredibly passive one and i actually talked to one of the fellas at pro football in terms of his pass rush productivity stat because houston had a lot of uh snaps like a very fair number he started out appearing that he was going to rush and then he would drop into throwing lanes or play some form of content Pain. and i asked him i said well, you know how do you guys do you guys chart that as a rush do you chart that because it's not coverage necessarily right. and so that created a weird gray area for them too and i know that that messed with this pass rush productivity stat and it messed with his win-loss percentage which is something that i chart mm. and he, he just played i i did the I, I in the games that i reviewed on 30% actually a little over is like 32% of the pass rushing snaps. Justin Houston had a non rushing role and sure. that'll make you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That'll make you crazy watching it over and over again. And then additionally, the chief secondary was so bad last year outside of Marcus Peters that even if he, you know, notched a win, you know, if the ball is out in under two seconds or even under 2.5 seconds, mm-hmm. Pressure is largely irrelevant.
1: Yeah,
2: totally. And so, and so the 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 pass rush is going to be a really big deal. Jones can really play. I love watching him play. He actually improved a lot. No one noticed because the defense fell apart around him. Houston can really play. They need a couple guys to step up and at least be decent pass rushers, not even good, right? Just not like <laughs> a negative. Like Allen Bailey last year would just get killed by one guy. I'm I'm reviewing his film right now. It's tough to watch. Hmm.
0: Kind of a non sequitur, but he's looking like he's going to announce his retirement pretty soon. Give us your farewell message to Tom Bahali.
2: Oh, man. Um, Tom Bahali is one of the most fun Chiefs that I've ever watched just because he was never a great athlete, but he just terrorized quarterbacks. I'm assuming you guys probably have feelings about him. Yeah. he did it, and he did it just with hand fighting and effort, yeah. and it was fun to watch. He it was, was fun a, to watch. He was a he technician. Was, yeah. yeah,
1: in his prime, he was he was a phenomenal player. I mean, not the most athletically gifted, but just a, a you know right. unrelenting
0: he beast. Yeah. He won on talent.
2: Yep, and it, what was interesting to me was. As I went back, I was reviewing some of his stuff a while ago, just kind of for fun because, you know, I have problems and that's what I do for fun. Sick maniac. I, I noticed... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we share the same sickness. Indeed. Um, it was always in really clutch moments he often came through. And those are fun guys to watch. Those guys who step up. It's always interesting to see your football heroes go away and it's inevitable. And so there's an entire era of Chiefs football that's ended at this point i mean they still got dustin colquitt we still got the punter but you know D- derek johnson is gone after like 13 yeah. years um tomba's gone jamal charles went to denver where they refused to give him the ball which i meant to a- i wanted to ask so you guys right. about that was so he not right. healthy he was oh, no. they just oh, no. didn't play him
1: he was healthy they just uh, they they didn't want to pay him some of his his uh, contract right. escalators late in the season when they knew you know if 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 it was a season in which the broncos had even a modicum of postseason hope, I think you would have seen him right. uh, get played by the by the staff, irregardless of whatever you know financial incentives were were in his contract. But sure. when things went off the rails, they're like, let's not pay this guy any more than we absolutely have to.
2: That's so unfortunate because what I saw in limited action, even though I mean he had a fumble against the Chiefs, he wasn't quite what he was, but he still looked like he had something. He did, and he had some wiggle that, left. Yeah, yeah, that that's so unfortunate. But that's what happens with like, you know, your Hallease and your your Derek Johnson's. I mean, all things come to an end in football. You know, it's the whole cocktails line. Everything ends badly or it wouldn't end. <laughs>
1: that's right. Well, hey, man, one more question for you and then we'll uh, we'll cut you loose. It's something okay. I'm always curious about, you know, especially within the realm of, uh, you know, the AFC West and the rivalries. The mm-hmm. Broncos have obviously made a lot of personnel changes this year and most yes. notably the acquisition of quarterback Case Keenum. What is your perception, what is the overall perception, even in Chiefs Kingdom, of the twenty eighteen Denver Broncos?
2: You guys aren't gonna like me anymore. <laughs> I well no, here's the long and short of it. You know how fans are, they love to talk smack and and I participate in that all too often. You know, I love to post a, it has been one thousand, one hundred, whatever days, you know, mm-hmm. since like I did that to a Chargers fan the other day. He got really mad because it's <laughs> been like
0: it's been like
2: five years. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, so here's here's the deal. The Broncos obviously took a step back last year. And I think losing Wade Phillips, that's tough. That's that's as big a loss as you're going to get. You know, I mean, even bigger than most personnel losses would be because he's such a gifted defensive coordinator. Yep. And I think you saw that a bit on the defense last year. Now, again, there's so much talent there. And so... I have a hard time betting against any team that still sports the kind of talent the Broncos have on defense. Um, Von Miller, you know, he's just an exceptional, exceptional player. I think Harris Jr. was clearly the superior between him and Talib, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, although Talib, just as a quick side note, was the only corner I saw give Tyreek Hill trouble last year, which is weird because he's not a burner. Right, but. He gave he gave Hill a lot of a lot more trouble than Harris did for some reason. That but is anyway.
1: interesting because just real, a quick aside, real quick in the 2014 yeah. divisional round when uh, the Broncos lost at home to the Colts, and uh, that was Jack Del Rio's last season as the DC be- that preceded Wade Phillips coming over. But Del Rio chose to line up Aqib Talib on T.Y. Hilton, and it was just a freaking murder show. The Broncos got torched left and right. So it is interesting so to hear weird. you say that he held up well against a, a speedster like Tyreek Hill. That's got that wiggle and that, that quickness.
2: Yeah. And, and, and who, I mean, maybe it was usage. I don't know what it was, but he did real well. Um, the overall perception. I, I honestly, I don't pay much attention to the overall perception because, and I mean, this with all due respect to the fans that are listening to this podcast. Overall perceptions in football are quite often wrong. <laughs> they just are. And so here's what I would say with regards to the Broncos. I think they've got a lot of talent on defense. I thought Chubb was a fantastic pick. Uh, I think he's going to be a stud. I really do. Um, I also, I really like that. Uh, well, I can't remember him right now. The receiver you guys got uh, Sutton. Uh, Sutton. Yes. Thank you. I, I think he's going to help a lot. I th- I think Denver has some stuff in place. My only, my, my big thing is to fold. I just am not sure what they're going to get out of that offensive line and case Keenum. I like case Keenum. He is definitely an upgrade. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a marked upgrade. He's got significantly better pocket presence spins a better ball than the guys you guys had last year. You know, Paxton Lynch. I don't know what stopped him, but he just, he never looked any better at quarterback and he arguably looked worse as time went on. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, I, Keenum, I think he's a better quarterback by by quite a landslide. But I will say that I, I can't quite put him in that pantheon of, of necessarily good quarterbacks, just because about four or five times a game, it seems like he's shutting his eyes and just throwing it. Yeah, and and it's fun to watch. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like,
1: that, uh, that gunslinger mentality where it's like, oh, to hell
2: with it, bam. Yeah. I'm gonna it's like, you know, and so if Denver can coach that like, hey, just take a sack every now and then, dude, it'll be okay. Now to be fair, if you're gonna shut your eyes and throw it at someone, Demarius Thomas is a good place to start because he can he can make those types of catches. I I think unless Chubb I think he'll be really good out of the gate, but unless he's a, a, a major stud, is Wolf healthy, normal, everything's good? For now.
1: Yeah, he he had a procedure on his neck. He's supposed to be back
2: to 100%. Yeah, it, I think a lot is going to rise and fall on Wolf's health cuz he is such a good player. Um, but man, he's just so dinged up. And so I would say right now I think the Broncos uh, in I, I'm I i it will be interesting to see how it all comes together. I would put them as a, a potential wild card team, but I'm not sure I would I would I, I see a big push in their future as far as taking the division quite at this point. I think they're a year old.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, truth truth is the best. We appreciate you, my brother, joining the show. You guys, it's always in your best interest to know what the enemy's up to. You want to go okay. behind enemy lines. You want to know your enemy. Follow Seth Kaiser on Twitter, at RealMNChiefsFan. Seth, thanks for joining us, my friend.
2: Thanks for having me, man. It was really good talking to you.
1: Thanks, Seth. Well, that's going to do it for today. We are officially one week closer to to Broncos Training Camp, you guys. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. As always, best way to get a direct response from us, hit us up on the MHH Insiders Premium Message Board. But at the same time, you know we're always going to try to engage with you on Twitter. So as often as we can, don't be shy about hitting us up there. Big thanks again to Seth Kaiser. Follow him on Twitter, at Fan, And make sure you're subscribing, y'all. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle.
0: When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. When I hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends, too. So, Kohl's? They're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network Grilling Essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra 15% off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select Style's 15% offer ends May 16th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details.